0: hello everyone and welcome back to chronic pain and paranoia it's us we're back and we are finally doing a very special full-length conjuring episode and i've been begging for years just kidding a couple months but i'm excited about it i am not doing anything for this episode emily is on her lonesome i will chip in when i can <laughs>
1: that's okay it's a good strong solo episode i'm for proud sure. For sure.
0: I trust Emily's abilities over mine when it comes to The Conjuring House.
1: When it comes to ghosts. That's true. That's true. Because true crime is not my strong suit. I For me, it's... My neighbor's literally chopping wood.
0: I thought someone was tapping on the window and I was like, kill me now.
1: I would have vomited if I thought it were tapping. (laughs) I'm not joking.
0: Anyway, Emily, how would you rate your pain
1: today? Today, I feel like a tube of toothpaste. Mm -hmm. but specifically the one with the little last bit of toothpaste in it Mm -hmm. that you should have thrown away like two days ago but you still keep forgetting
0: to buy toothpaste
1: or you have bought toothpaste like i do but think you can just get the last little bit out why would you do that i don't know okay i want to get my money's worth (laughs) i guess It's, it's hard times out here friends it is it is emily how do you feel
0: um for me i feel like one of those weird asmr videos that you see under um reddit videos where it's either a hot knife cutting things Ooh. or like the 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 iron ball that's heated up uh-huh and then they drop it on something and it's all like uh-huh. i feel like someone dropped one of the balls like
1: and you're the foam
0: yeah yeah like on my pelvis specifically yeah it went all the way through to my back
1: you there's just a hole mm-hmm yeah
0: i'll feel good all my fruit up
1: <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> okay let's get started mm-hmm. this podcast contains sensitive materials such as violence murder paranormal activity and other adult topics so listener discretion is advised while we do research all of our episodes we are just two emily's with a microphone and a passion for all things spooky take it with a grain of salt all of our sources will be in the show notes mm-hmm.
1: So, Conjuring,
0: have you seen the movie? I haven't. I did not do my homework. I- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've seen both Sam and Colby specials,
1: though. That's okay, because I have the movie plot written out, because I knew you hadn't seen it.
0: (laughs) Emily had no faith in me. That's fair. Listen.
1: I was focusing on finishing a book this week. I know. You have to tell me how that goes. I need to read the book now. Um... I thought we would talk about the movie really fast because it's kind of pivotal. Like, that's mm-hmm. where people really, truly learned about it. Yeah. Um, even though it's an Ed and Lorraine Warren case again, I don't need to mention how I feel about them for the umpteenth time. Yes. Because um, <laughs> we talk about them too much.
0: Yes, we do. Especially last month. Yeah. Well, I had a case specifically from
1: them. Yeah. Two cases, actually. Well, there were Three. Anyway, I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to get into the movie plot really fast. This is just straight from Wikipedia, friends. Um, here we go. In 1968, renowned demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren are investigating the Annabelle case, in which friends Debbie and Camilla say they have a possessed doll. They explain that after they contacted a medium, they allowed the spirit, who claimed to be a seven-year-old, name, a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins, who died in the apartment, to p- possess the doll. Unable to get rid of the doll as the hauntings became more disturbing, Debbie and Camilla decided to desperately reach out to the Warrens. The Warrens then explained how the doll was never really possessed and was a conduit for de- demonic, a conduit for a demonic spirit that manipulated Debbie and Camilla so they would eventually take over one of their bodies. Cutscene. <laughs> and then it starts three years later in 1971 with Roger and Carolyn Perrin. When they move into a farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island with their five daughters, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April.
0: That's a lot of kids.
1: Yeah. Five daughters. Fun. Um, Their dog, Sadie, refuses to enter the house. Mm. A minor mishap during a game of hide-and-seek results in a discovery of a boarded-up entrance to an unknown cellar. Paranormal events occur within the first few nights. Every clock in the house stops at 3.07 (laughs) a.m. Carolyn awakens with an additional large bruise each morning one day sadie's found dead in the yard Aww. carolyn and christine both encounter a malevolent spirit um so kind of just right off the bat gets into it Mm-hmm. and so then like all these creepy hauntings start happening carolyn contacts the warrens the warrens come investigate and immediately lorraine's like this is spooky like <laughs> you've got something dark Something's going on. Uh huh. So the warrants come in. They start investigating. So to gather evidence, they placed cameras and bells around the house with help of their assistant Drew Thomas and police officer Brad Hamilton. Further research reveals that the house once belonged to an accused witch named Bathshe- Bathsheba Sherman,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, who sacrificed her weak old baby to the devil and killed herself in 1863 at 3:07 in the morning after proclaiming the love of after proclaiming her love of satan and cursing all who take her land Um, of course yeah as you do so one morning Bathsheba, like clearly possesses carolyn Mm -hmm. and you're like oh crap because it's starting to look like the um what's that scary movie called the ring no it's the old one with the girl where she broke her back the exorcist the exorcist it's got like the exorcist makeup looking stuff oh okay yeah um that night the group hears a spirit luring cindy into a wardrobe where she reveals a secret passage lorraine enters the passage and falls down to the cellar where she sees the spirit of a woman whom bathsheba had possessed long ago and used to kill her child Bathsheba attacks Nancy. The incident is caught on camera. The Warrens conclude it is sufficient evidence to receive authorization from the Catholic Church to perform an exorcism. But Father Gordon expri- explains that approval would have to come directly from the Vatican, Vatican because the parent family are not members of the Catholic Church. We're almost there. <laughs> the Warrens' daughter Judy is attacked in the Warrens' home by Bathsheba. The parent family takes refuge at a motel, but Carolyn takes Christine and April back to the house to kill them. Ed, Lorraine, and Brad find Carolyn in the cellar trying to stab Christine, like with scissors, I think. Ooh. Yeah, like you know those fancy sewing scissors that you're not supposed Mm -hmm. to touch. Um, Lorraine warns that if they take Carolyn outside the house, Bathsheba will kill her. So they tie Carolyn in a chair, and Ed attempts the exorcism by himself.
0: This part's not recommended
1: no like
0: don't do that
1: don't do exorcisms by yourself no also there's a sheet over carolyn while they're doing the exorcism have you seen it yeah sorry chris is in the room i forgot to mention that (laughs) um it's spooky because she like vomits or like coughs or something and blood comes out and it's like all over the sheet where her like head is Mm. during the exorcism creepy Uh, um so Carolyn escapes and attempts to kill April. Lorraine is able to call to her by reminding her of a special memory she shared with her family because Lorraine's a psychic medium or whatever. So at the beginning, yeah, she saw a memory of Carolyn's where the family was at the beach right before they moved into the house. Mm-hmm. So she shared that with her family, allowing Ed to complete the exorcism, lift Bathsheba's curse and contempt, and condemn her back to hell. Dun dun dun. Returning to his home, Ed adds the haunted music box from the parent home to the room of cursed artifacts they've collected from past cases. As he leaves, the music box starts playing on its own. Cut to black. That's where the movie ends. What it's actually a good movie, but... It yeah, doesn't sound bad. Yeah. I'd still watch it, even though I just very quickly ran through that. <laughs> um, I don't like the Warrens, personally. Mm-hmm. I'm always on the fence on whether they actually... You know. Either
0: way, Ed was a pedophile.
1: Yeah, Chris just shook his head. It's, you're gonna have to explain that to him later. It's it's confirmed. It's confirmed. He they had a girl who lived in their house, who was like literally 15, and she lived there for most of her life.
0: And like, that was not their kid.
1: Yeah. So like, Lorraine was in on it too. So you're just like.
0: And also a lot of people think that, like, some of their cases
1: were hoaxes, which is unethical. Hoaxes, or, like, they showed up just to get the money.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Or they made things worse. (laughs) They did in this case. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure they did in this case. Oh, specifically, we're going to get into it. So the real story. Dun, dun, dun. I have a ton of different links and articles and that's where i got most of my information so they'll all be credited in our source notes um but most of the information is from interviews with andrea perrin the eldest Mm -hmm. daughter of the perrin family who Mm -hmm. lived in the house um so also i wanted to mention most of the family doesn't do interviews there was like a live stream a couple years ago where they all went to the house except for april because she died unfortunately at Uh like the age of 52 She's the youngest. Um, but, yeah, there's only one interview with Carolyn who's the most affected. And Andrea said they had her there for, like, six hours, but they only used five minutes. So she's like, I'm never doing that again. It's such a waste of time.
0: No, that's messed up. It was sure. also
1: paranormal witness to call them out. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Paranormal witness? She was there.
0: Yeah. That's weird.
1: Yeah. Okay. So on to the real story. Um, in 1971, the Perrin family had their fill or 1970, the Perrin family had their fill of life in the suburbs. They decided that they had a need for a simpler life in the country. Carolyn had found what she had hoped would be the perfect place to raise her young family in June of 1970. In the words of Andrea Perrin, the family had moved mountains to purchase the property known as the Old Arnold Estate. Mm-hmm. Located on 200 acres of land in Harrisville, Rhode Island, the secluded colonial-era farmhouse seemed to be the answer Carolyn to Carolyn Parent's prayers. At last, the parents moved into the old Arnold estate in early 1971. This is where they would begin to experience strange things.
0: Also, 200 acres is
1: crazy. It's huge, which is why, like, which is why now the Conjuring House is like they're probably gonna make bank. Oh yeah they do like glamping now like you saw in sam and colby's episode that tent yeah they keep them up around you can glamp
0: that's so funny i'd be Didn't terrified 10 they set up that tent
1: yeah they that's did really not funny. <laughs> it was already there <laughs> oh um, i
0: thought i remember thinking like their crew probably set that up for them while they were like ghost hunting in the house it's the conjuring house they're that's gonna start really offering funny. it yeah emily we are not doing
1: that oh You and Bryce can go. I'm not going. He's not going to (laughs) go. Smart man. Actually, he might if I convinced him to. But it is what it is. I'll go by myself and I'll document the whole thing Blair Witch style. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. So the family had actually been to the house a couple of times before they purchased the house. um, But they didn't experience anything going back and forth. Of course. Because the owner was like i can see that your family and you'll stay here for a while i really want you to keep the house so he kept it on the market for them for a really long time because mm-hmm. carolyn put down like i forget what the word is a, like a payment to keep it on hold um but as soon as they purchased the house things got spooky like the day of moving in interesting so andrea Perrin wrote three books called house of darkness house of light in three different parts Mm -hmm. um and she had mentioned that she had seen a man with mr kenyon the previous owner the very afternoon they were moving in he actually hadn't moved out yet which is why he was still there but the whole family adored him so they're like okay we'll help you move out whatever um so andrea said she could see the person staring at him and went to ask who her mom who he was her mom had said that there was no one there with him as his wife had died previously and his son was set to arrive later in the day one by one, though, the daughters would come in and ask who the man was. The mom was too busy, so she just kind of shook it off, and they all just assumed it was a neighbor. Ew. I don't like that. Yeah. I'm going to revisit that one later. Okay. Um But before Mr. Kenyon had left the house, he made sure to let Roger, the husband and father, um, know his spooky final words of advice. For the sake of your family, leave the lights on at night. Uh. Those were his parting words for that day.
0: i was like, uh oh, Like, what? Did we already close on this?
1: <laughs> so, we signed those, right? <laughs> Is the truck still outside? So, things only got spookier from there. The family would go on to experience ghostly activity for the next 10 years in the house. They stay there for 10 years? 10 years. Uh-huh. Jeez. So, now I'm going to get into the ghost. I wonder
0: what their mortgage payments were. <laughs>
1: Probably not a lot, because Carolyn put down $500 in escrow. Yeah. Ooh. Which was everything they had in their bank account. Other than, like, enough for bread and milk for the week or whatever. She did it behind her husband's back, by the way. Tea. The tea. You can read it all in Andrea's book. (laughs) What (laughs) Uh, a woman. What a woman. I love her. Uh, So, at first, the ghosts or demon spirits, as the paranormal investigators, the Warrens thought of them, were harmless. Described variously as opaque or somewhat solid in appearance, there were many spirits present in the old homestead. One ghost smelled of flowers, while another would gently kiss the girls goodnight in their beds every night. We know who that is. Uh-huh. I know who that is. Yeah, because you've seen Sam McColby. Yes, I have. Uh, I recommend go watching their videos, everyone. They're kind of cringy, yes. cheesy, but we love them for it.
0: It's like, I showed them to my friend recently, and she is like, Emily, this is literally like OG YouTube yeah I feel like it's like so like nostalgic and i'm like yes i think that's why i like it mm-hmm.
1: partly i just love a good ghost story same um yeah so one would kiss them and kiss them goodnight. they would think it was their mother but eventually they learned it wasn't um that's kind of creepy yeah another appeared to be a small young male that the girls would watch mesmerize push cars push toy cars around the room propelled by an invisible hand Mm-hmm. And he would later be the only one to like self-name to the family. I think. Yeah. His name was Oliver. I forgot his last name. But one apparition, presumably a female ghost, was a welcome presence in the home. The parents would often hear her sweeping hear sweeping noises coming from the kitchen. When they entered the room, they would find the broom had been moved to a different spot in the room, with a neat pile of newly swept dirt sitting in the middle of the floor, what waiting to be deposited. <laughs>
0: That's That's the kind of ghost I need in my life.
1: (laughs) Manny was another spirit that the young parent children loved. Manny was believed to be the spirit of Johnny Johnny Arnold, sorry, I'm losing my voice, who had committed suicide by hanging himself in the attic of the house in the 1700s. Manny would appear before the children, often standing nearby quietly watching the children going about their daily activities, a crooked smile on his face, Mm -hmm. amused at the children's play. If eye contact were to be made with Manny, he would withdraw from sight just as suddenly as he'd reappeared. He was presumably the same ghost that was watching Mr. Kenyon the day they'd moved in.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so he just likes observing.
1: Yeah. In an interview, Andrea said they named him Manny because he was a man. Creative. Yeah. <laughs> I forget which sister did it, but mm-hmm. the link to everything is in below, so if you want to look it up, you can. In addition to ghostly entities, the parents say they've witnessed many other odd and unexplained phenomena. Beds would levitate several inches off the floor. Telephone headsets would hover in the air and then slam down onto the base of the phone when someone entered the room. And various household objects would glide about the house on their own. Mm -hmm. Often chairs would be pulled suddenly from beneath an unsuspecting guest and pictures would tumble from the walls. The parents once reported seeing orange ooze blood and a wall dissolve into nothingness. Orange oozed blood. That sentence never seemed right to me, but I just went with it. Um, not all the ghosts at Harrisville were welcome visitors. Some would yank the girls' legs and hair during the middle of the night. Others would loudly bang at the front door of the home with such force that the entire house would shake. Doors would slam shut on their own while others would stay frozen in place, unable to shut no matter how much force was applied to them. One entity in the home routinely kept the family awake as it continually cried out in the night for a mom, while another apparition tortured eight year old Cindy, telling her over and over there are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall. One of the parents recalled a small, delicate spirit appearing to be about four years old roaming the house crying, calling for her mother. Hmm. Um I also want to share a story from Cindy Perrin. Andrea told this she never wrote it in her book or shared it anywhere besides the podcast the links to a youtube it's one of the two i forgot to put the names on there i'll try Mm -hmm. to put them before i forget um so cindy was going to take a bath she's one of the older daughters i think but she's going to take a bath she's like washing her hair whatever and then she gets pulled under and is held under the water and girl is like fighting for her life but she's stuck there she can't get out so she's holding her breath but april was like she's like i think something's wrong so yeah. she goes in there and opens the door and then snap cindy like gets thrown up like she throws herself up out of the water yeah with so much force that her hair whips around and hits her in the face jeez and andrea said it was like some sort of telekinesis thing that april had had or like mm-hmm. i don't know you feel for your sister yeah I also feel like a woman's
0: intuition is real.
1: Yeah. April was the the youngest one. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, oh. That's crazy. But this was after Andrea had moved out, so. Interesting. That's also.
0: so scary. Right? <laughs> no, thank you. No wonder why
1: they don't go to the house anymore. I would never go back. They did go back, though. Andrea visits all the time. Well, she didn't because the previous owner, like, not the current ones that just bought it, like, yeah. this year, last year. Yeah um they had a falling out and because people kept coming to like visit the conjuring house like before they did tours and stuff oh and so the house owner was like hey um i don't experience any ghostly activity at all whatsoever um the parents are lying their whole story's fake and andrea was like like what dude you weren't there yeah well also they think she was lying just get everyone away Yeah. Because other people had, you know, had ghostly evidence activity besides her. So much
0: evidence has been collected at that house. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Um, I also wanted to mention that the girls' beds would shake at the same time every morning. Yeah. At, like, five-something.
0: Yeah, like five-something in the morning. Yeah,
1: so it's different from the movie, but kind of the same. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the spirits was so evil the parent family to this day will not disclose what it did to them. Andrea Parent hinted that the unmentionable spirit may have molested some of the young girls.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. When asked about the spirit during an interview, she avoided the question, telling a reporter, Let's just say there were very there was a very bad male spirit in the home with five little girls. Oh my Which gosh. Which is terrifying. That's
0: terrible to think about.
1: Yeah. Um, So, those are kind of just the things that happened throughout Mm -hmm. the 10 years, just a little bit. I want to get into the history of the house, and this is pulled directly from the Conjuring website.
0: Well, one of the things that Sam and Colby mentioned a few times, another spirit they called the Crooked Neck Lady. Mm -hmm. She was a spirit who had really long black hair, and she was wearing, like, a white nightgown, you know, a very stereotypical ghost. Me if I were ghost. Literally. But she had a crooked neck as if, like, it had been broken. hmm And also, whenever, like, her spirit is around, like, a terrible smell mm-hmm. is around. And um, she would, like, terrorize the daughters. And, like, one of them in particular. Cindy. And- Cindy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one particular night, it was really bad. This spirit was banging her head on the foot of the bed. Mm-hmm. And she was so scared that she just like closed her eyes, like turned over, and was like, "God, please help me." And uh-huh. it stopped. And she never like saw the spirit again.
1: That's what I would have done. See? I'm like, I'm not talking to that thing. Some that people, one
0: probably scares me the most. People think she
1: lives in the basement. Yeah, some people think she's Bathsheba. Yeah. Because of the, the bent neck. Yeah, she supposedly hung herself to kill herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, we also I'll let you get into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll move on. It's okay. Just
0: you... wanted to mention her. Yeah,
1: throw anything don't else like in you want. Don't like her, she's creepy, she's weird. hmm Um, so the history of the house because you know, Cindy had said someone was telling her that like seven dead people were in the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I don't think I have this in my notes, but later on the current owner of the house had done a radar ground search. Yeah. And they found seven bodies mm-hmm. buried on the property
0: and Spooky. you know battles happen there during like the
1: wars between the settlers and the natives that's what i'm going to get into sorry go yeah. ahead <laughs> no you're good i'm just going to get into it um the conjuring house land precedes its colonial records by thousands of years while it was occupied by the nim i don't know what that word is i'm sorry it's a it's a local tribe. Um, prior to Roger Williams purchasing the land as part of the establishment of the Colony of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. Having been expelled from Massachusetts Bay Colony for espouting freedom of religious worship and separation of church and state, Roger Williams established Providence Plantations in 1636. And our, uh, again said Rhode Island. <laughs> that was a big word. In 1639, Glock kester now burrowville rhode island became part of providence plantations including this estate deed to the richardson family the land was deeded in 1680 and was surveyed by john smith one of the original virginia colonists that we talked about last week oh yeah roger williams believed that the best way to preserve the land was to deed large parcels to those who could choose to follow him in his teachings he did so to protect to protect it from a rather overt encroachment from Connecticut and Massachusetts, the original state estate deed to the Richardsons was more than a thousand acres. Oh. It was subsequently sold off in parcels to families in the area who are still there hundreds of years later.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah, because women had no rights to property. Boo. <laughs> Their estate transferred through marriage from the first colonists, the Richardson family, to the Arnold family. From the Arnold family, it transferred to the butterwurst and then to the Kenyons before being purchased by the parents in 1970s, which is not a lot of families for it being, you know, 1680. No, it's not. Um. In 1980, the Schwartz family purchased the property and sold it to Norma Sculcliffe in 1987. Corey and Jen Heinzen purchased the property in twenty nineteen from Norma and launched the business to allow investigations and detours. In May of twenty twenty two, Jacqueline Nunez purchased the property and the, is continuing to grow the business, which is the current owner. Jacqueline Slays. She slays. We love her. Um the house as it now stands was completed in nineteen or er, in seventeen thirty six. Wow. Forty years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Wow.
0: It's that, that house old. Is
1: so old. Yeah, this magnificent homestead has survived countless storms, King Philip's War, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and the unbridled growth of the Industrial Age in America. That's crazy. This house is a testament to the needed to the need to preserve history. Eight generations of one extended family had lived and died in it, and apparently some of them never left. Um, history has a story to tell. We will never know all of it. Some of which has been lost to the. Annuals of time, but one thing is certain, there are very few places uh there are few places like it which remain intact and mm-hmm. it deserves reference for national treasure that it is. Um it still has the original walls, like there are no insulation. Yeah. They've like repapered it or whatever, but and built on it.
0: You but- can tell like in the videos, like that's an old house.
1: Well and you know in the girls' room how there's that window? That mm-hmm. was that used to be the exterior wall, so they oh, built that yeah. whole side out, mm-hmm. which is crazy, but the walls are paper thin. She says it gets really hot, and it also gets really cold.
0: It looks like it gets freezing in the winter.
1: That's why they moved. It was like unbearable.
0: That's why they would <laughs> It was built in the 1700s. Oh
1: it's cold. So now I'm going to get into a little bit of Bathsheba Sherman, the one everyone blames this on.
0: Uh huh.
1: I'm going to get into it really fast. Andrea Perrin. Yes. Does not believe Bathsheba Sherman is behind this. I don't think so either. She thinks that Lorraine kind of made it up, felt a bad presence, was like, Bathsheba. But she didn't even live there. Like, (laughs) she lived down the road. (laughs) Like, huh blaming it on the neighbors as always like she was still a bad person but like dude yeah yeah which we're gonna talk about this article that i took her information from uh goes really heavy into the idea that it is Bathsheba sherman so i just kind of wanted to let it be known someone who lived in the house for 10 years doesn't think it's her so take this with a grain, it, of, the grain of, salt. of salt yeah yeah The most horrid ghost in the home is targeted Miss Perrin especially. The entity was thought to have been the ghost of Bathsheba Sherman, a practicing Satanist, allegedly, (laughs) and a witch who had lived in the home in the early 19th century. I don't think she actually lived there.
0: She didn't. She lived down the road.
1: Like, because her gravestone
0: is a hop, skip away. Yeah, it's not in the... There's a... Grave on the property, and she's not in that one. No, she's in the further one.
1: Yeah, Anyway. yeah. Anyways, I'm yeah. I'm trying to make this as neutral as possible, Allegedly. but this article did not make it neutral. Yeah,
0: they're biased.
1: Um. So she died supposedly on the land, hanging herself from the tree behind the barn. Bent neck lady. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was theorized that them not being super religious, them being the parent family was to be a primary factor for the particularly violent and active nature of Bathsheba or the entity's treatment of the parent family. That
0: doesn't make any sense. If she was a Satanist, why would she want them to be, like, religious?
1: She, I don't know. Okay, sorry. I don't know, but credence to this theory is strengthened when it's learned that the only previous resident to not report any odd occurrences was a local minister. So he was the only one not to experience anything. So I'm whatever. Like, but also why would he want to say anything? Exactly. So I don't know. And then Lorraine, you know, Lorraine goes on to explain that it was not important. She said you only which I kind of believe this kind of part a little bit. Mm-hmm. You only have faith as your protection. I always had my faith. God protecting me allowed me to do this. At this particular time the parents did not have religion and it was very dangerous. I think. I don't know. But also, like, just because you're not
0: religious, that doesn't mean you're open to being harmed by. More than anyone else. Yeah,
1: that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Like.
0: I think this is just a very active spot. Uh huh. And just. You know, maybe the minister didn't have as big of a family as the parents did. They had a very big family, more energy to feed off of, and, and that's like, what a lot
1: of people think. People the pester, like. But also, I think that's more likely. Yeah, I think it helps you bring. It helps you feel more comfort with religion. But yeah, I'm not gonna make this a religious podcast.
0: Yeah i don't know i just i feel like that's a harmful thing to spread if we say like yes you're not gonna get haunted if you're religious because that's not true anyone can get haunted exactly ghosts don't care there's
1: haunted churches Ooh. you know yeah that's the one sam and colby one where they went to the asylum and they got all the evidence in the chapel oh yeah you (laughs) seen that one it was good i think so yeah this was sam and colby episode Bathsheba Thayer was born in 1812 in Rhode Island and married fellow Rhode Islander Judson Sherman on March 10th, 1844. When alive, Bathsheba had lived a life of solitude. An outcast of the community she lived in after being accused of killing her young baby as a sacrifice to Satan. The baby's body was found to have been impaled in the head with a sharp object. Lacking evidence, the case was eventually dropped. So it could be seen as an accident, which is why it was... Bathsheba was believed to have three other children, none of whom survived past the age of four. Her children may not have been her only victims. Whatever. Bathsheba Sherman was also known to have brutalized the staff, often starving and beating them for minor infractions, which was probably true.
0: Probably.
1: When Bathsheba died on May 25, 1885, the coroner wrote that he had never seen anything like it. Her emaciated body had eerily solidified Seemingly turned to stone. It was easily recognized...
0: <laughs> rigor mortis, mama?
1: I don't know, because you think he'd recognize is rigor he okay? mortis. I don't know if it was like... Maybe it was an older body than he was used to. You get kind of more liquidy as you get old. The body gets older, though. You putrefy. Because they don't have embalming. That's true. Maybe it was fresh. I don't know. But you think he would know what rigor mortis is, having worked with bodies.
0: But it was the 1800s.
1: Yeah, they Also, seemed... he
0: could have just said that since no one liked her.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm like, eh. All of this
0: feels so fishy with, like, keeping in mind, like, how wary people were of anyone who was different, how wary people were of witches. Like, mm-hmm. how do we know this is true? We don't.
1: Granted, don't she probably was being terrible to her staff, probably. but I mean. But also, kids died so. Easy. Everyone died then. so easy. You didn't live past the age of thirty. No, you were lucky if you made As it thirty-five. She killed them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, supposedly, it was easily recognized that Bathsheba had her favorites in the household. I said, or different named entity. It tortured Carolyn, um, and one of the daughters, Cindy, uh, yeah. while lusting after Mister Perrin. That was true. Like, the ghost, Mm -hmm. like, was weird with him. During their stay, equipment in the home frequently broke. Roger Perrin would take the broken machinery down to the cellar to repair. While working, he often felt the entity touching him, gently caressing his neck or running her hands down his back. Elegant. Yeah. But while longing for Mr. Perrin, the entity hated Carolyn. Mm -hmm. Kind of like in the movie. Mm -hmm. It was clear that it wanted Carolyn out of the house. In August of 1977, an article in the local Providence Journal described the appearance of this entity. Miss Perrin said she woke before dawn one morning to find an apparition by her bed, the head of an old woman hanging off to one side over an old gray dress. Mm. There was a voice reverberating, get out, get out. I'll drive you out with death and gloom. <laughs> Fun. Woof. In the beginning, the entity's treatment of Carolyn was merely cruel. Carolyn would be pinch slapped or have objects thrown about her. Her greatest fear of fire was soon discovered by the entity and used repeatedly to strike terror in her as Bathsheba banged torches against her head while demanding that she leave the home immediately. As time progressed, the, aggra- the attacks grew harsher. In one instance, Carolyn was lying on the couch when she felt a sharp pain in the calf of her leg. She examined her leg and found a large bleeding puncture wound that looked as if a large sewing needle had impaled her skin. Mm. Later, after threats failed to motivate Carolyn to leave, it took a different uh, it took a different tact, and attempted to invade Carolyn from within, believing that Carolyn had been possessed. Um, the, par- the parents called the psychic investigators Ed and Lorraine to assist them. Um, Andrea says she doesn't think that Carolyn was possessed, just that it was around her, not like in at- her attached to her, yeah. not
0: within yeah that makes sense also i don't doubt
1: that yeah i don't think that's when they called the warrens to assist them i know that they did and carolyn was in contact with them off and on maybe this is one of the times they called them back yeah not like
0: the first time because
1: they only visited a handful of times over the years yeah um so i'm gonna read some questions that andrea had answered like a little interview Mm mm-hmm Um, this is from freesat.co.uk, link in the description. So the question, so do you believe that Bathsheba was a malevolent spirit that Lorraine Warren believed her to be? No, I think that's very fair on Bathsheba. Bathsheba Sherman had a bad reputation for being very mean-spirited, no pun intended, but she (laughs) did not live there. She was born of the Thayer family and married former Judson, yeah, about a mile and a half away. Um... But there were only a few homesteads, so naturally all the neighbors knew each other. Yeah. And then she goes on to describe that apparently the baby died. We don't know what happened. It could have been an accident. And if you're going to call someone a murderer, you've got some real, you need to have some real evidence to back up that claim. Yeah. She lived with a terrible dark cloud over her for her whole life, and I cannot absolve her of her guilt. I don't know what circumstan- the circumstances were, but I can be her great defender, and I have been. Unfortunately, when Miss Warren decided that she felt a dark presence in the house and said it was Bathsheba, then everything that happened in the house just got blamed on her. Yeah. And that's just not the case at all. all. Mm -hmm. I just don't believe that. And I've had a spirit connection with Bathsheba at her own gravestone. I've heard disembodied voices. She comes through the spirit box to talk to me. She's part of my consciousness and part of my life. And I defend her at every turn. Because, you know, unless somebody can prove to me that she was a practitioner of witchcraft, which I just don't believe, because she would have been burned, she wouldn't have been buried in hollow ground with the rest That's of her family. True. Mm-hmm.
0: That's very true.
1: Um, and what she was accused of in life, she had lived a 100 years earlier, could have gotten her killed up the road at Salem. Yeah. That's just a dangerous word to throw around. Even today, in some parts of the world, women are slaughtered because somebody said that they're a witch. Exactly. I'm not saying that she was the most pleasant woman in life or the most pleasant spirit in the afterlife, But in some ways, she lived a tortured existence. Mm -hmm. She lost three of her four children before the age of four and had this prejudice against her for years. I can't even imagine the hardships of living in New England back in that time. Literally. Um, yeah. I feel, so I feel compelled to defend her honor. In the Warren's case files that The Conjuring was based on, Miss Warren basically blamed everything on her. But the real story is richer and deeper and more convoluted. They can't squeeze ten years into a two-hour film. Mm Mm-hmm. So, they had named, I'm just going to read it, actually. Apparently, you even had a family pet named Bathsheba. Is that true? Yeah. It was before we moved to the farm.
0: Interesting.
1: And a name just kind of fell out of the sky. My mother named our little dog Bathsheba. We didn't know the biblical reference. We were just little kids, so we abbreviated it to Sheba. But given, but our given name with Bathsheba was as a little puppy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, you know, where did that come from? Which is spooky. So I'm going to kind of move on a little bit. So there's the famous seance that happened. Yes. I could not find anything on this. Like Mm -hmm. on the internet. I had to go dig through her little books to find anything. Oh really? Yeah. So. uh, There was no exorcism like in the film. It was a seance that went very wrong. What they portrayed in the film was not what happened, Parents said. It, the seance, was scarier. It was the most terrifying night of my life. On that night, the Warrens arrived at the house of the medium. Perrin and her younger sister, Cindy, hid nearby and watched as the medium conjured up a spirit, who attacked their mother. The Warrens believed Carolyn was possessed. Perrin suspects the medium opened a door she couldn't close. Her mother, she said, most likely had a concussion from the incident, and it took a long time to come out of the condition she she was in. She was utterly drained and in pain. Mm -hmm. the dark presence who attacked and haunted Carolyn often was said to be Bathsheba so according to Perrin the family researched the history of the home and found that at least a dozen people who killed themselves had died in a tragic death in the house or on the property after the seance there were no major supernatural experiences at home and the Perrins lived pretty happily most of the time in the house until they moved out in 1980 um yeah for the most part we did get used to it so, I'm going to get into the seance. I took this directly from the book. Just kind of put my words to it. Yeah. Um. So, at this point, they had already been in contact with Ed and Lorraine, but Lorraine had been asking to do a seance in the house. Carolyn didn't ask Roger because she knew that the answer would be no. Yeah. Carolyn agreed to do the seance, but didn't tell Roger they were coming until an hour before they had arrived. <laughs> he was not happy when he saw they arrived, or when she told him. Yeah. So when they pulled up they were not by themselves either which was a surprise to carolyn and roger um they had a whole crew with them and it made roger a lot more upset um and eventually they had told him he was they were performing a seance lorraine had convinced him that carolyn had nothing to do with it and that they were going to help he was extremely skeptical but he let them do their thing um They had different priests and mediums join them, as well as a giant filming crew. As soon as Ed and Lorraine gave their word, the crew was setting up their equipment, not unlike the movie. Their equipment was most state-of-the-art at the time, and, quote, its purpose was clear, to capture something on film or audio. Mm -hmm. During Lorraine and Roger's new exchange on the amount of people in the house, quote, Carolyn's head hung limply, eyes averted. She remained virtually silent for the duration of the turbulent, contentious exchange. Roger's outburst had inadvertently issued an invitation all on its own. Evil descended upon them. An unholy transformation had already begun. Mm. Carolyn freely admits she has no memory of the following episode. She vaguely recalls their arrival that night. All else had been lost for her. For this, she was grateful, as are all those who witnessed the harrowing ordeal unfold, a blessing which resulted from a curse. Meanwhile, all of this is happening. There are two children in the shadows watching through a crack in the door, Mm -hmm. Andrea and Cynthia. Just before they began, Lorraine looks um, to still zoned out Carolyn and lets her know that they have something evil in their house. Unsure of where it came from, they needed it to get out, which brought Carolyn to silent tears. Like, she's not saying anything. She's still mute, Mm -hmm. but, like, tears are flowing. Everyone in the room knew the sands wasn't going to be easy. Roger had stated that she Carolyn looked too weak for it. But Lorraine had said if they don't do it, she'll remain weak and if he truly loved his wife, he'll go through with it. I don't Roger think that's a good idea. Roger was pissed, rightfully so. Oh yeah, I would be. But Ed was like, dude, it's fine. And he was like, hmm. Um so they start to begin the seance. They had I forgot what she's called. Her name was Mary though. She started a setup taking out all of her talismans and stuff. But they needed, not a medium. I forget the word. Okay. Um, but they needed Roger. De- Roger to sit beside Carolyn. But he said he would not be participating in the séance. Quote: He refused, stepping away from the table, lurching back as if touching fire, spooked by the. I have no idea what that word is. Big force, an mm-hmm. invisible presence. After going back and forth with the Warrens for a bit, he reluctantly complied and the sands would begin in full force. Once the technicians took their places, Ed crossed through a dining room, closing the door which led into the front hallway. A nervous man was moving fast. He couldn't see two girls tucked discreetly in the stairwell and failed to secure the iron wrought latch, allowing the door to remain just slightly open. Just Mm -hmm. enough for them to witness this horrible incident. Mary began with her prayer, asking everyone to close their eyes. Roger watched as the crowd complied mary had not said more than a few words when the table began to tremble then shift in place Mm. carolyn's body recoiled and she began mumbling incoherent words once mary had asked who was with them um more sounds were coming from carolyn like Mm. guttural the not good sounds yeah quickly everyone realized that it was not her voice that was coming through and they all made a collective gasp Mm -hmm. she had managed to pull herself free from the people holding onto her because there are people holding her at this point. Yeah. Um, and she like reached her hand, um, and with her fingers she curled them into the palm of her hand, leaving nail imprints. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at this point you can see pain on her face, and she was moaning it with from pain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Her eyes flung open, and suddenly both of her legs drew up to her chin, as if her body was forming a fireball. A low pitched guttural utterance emerged from deep within her, within her being as her quaking body trembled in place it sounded like a wild animal warding off an intruder preparing to attack andrea felt sick to her stomach and thought she might faint dead away with cindy in her arms just as they were about to run something wicked burst from her mother a stark dark transformation of energy as black as any moonless night it was not of this world everyone present observed it in awe observed it in awe Only Mary's eyes remained closed. She never saw it coming. Andrea goes on to write that the girls had never seen anything like this on the farm, and Roger's face told them all they needed. They saw their father truly in fear. Mm -hmm. The shrill screams came so suddenly no one was prepared. It rang through the rafters, sounds impossible for a human body to make. Roger broke the wicked spell, cast it in the shadows, jerking his hands free, bolting upright from his chair. Stop, he screamed. Um, his voice seemed to magnify a hundredfold. Stop this now. Ed stood up, grabbing at Roger's flailing arms to keep him from interfering. A howling, growling, horrific pain exploded out of Carolyn. Carolyn's chair lifted from the floor and flew straight back, traveling at the light of speed into the parlor. She hit the floor with such force, everyone present could hear the air rushing from her lungs. Jeez. Roger leapt towards his wife, but Ed tried holding him back. He whipped, around Dude, and stop. <laughs> he whipped around and punched Ed directly in the face, dropping him to the floor.
0: He had it coming. He did. Dropped him like a sack of potatoes.
1: Yeah. A sudden horrendous noise rocked the house, emanating from the cellar, crashing and creaking, the sound of wood splintering and glass shattering, as if the structure was being destroyed within. Yeah. This was just the seance. That's not good. So eventually, everyone is kicked out. Ed was like, get out of my house. I don't know what's going on. No one... You're all out. Everyone get out. So, like, kind of, you know. And as the technicians were trying to get all their equipment, they discovered that everything was destroyed. Everything had been wiped. They're, no, destroyed. Oh. Like, knocked over. Like, mm-hmm. run through a blender, essentially. hmm And they openly wept. <laughs> <laughs> I would, too, though. It was, like, state-of-the-art that's equipment. Ugh. And
0: also, that's really scary.
1: Yeah. There's the sound they were hearing from the cellar. The girls were also told to go upstairs. Um, He caught him, the dad, Roger. That's not good. He yelled at him and was like, get upstairs. And then no one slept that night, obviously. Mm -hmm. Carolyn eventually recovered from the seance after a couple weeks, but was sore for days after. I bet. As for Roger, he was adversely, you know what I mean, affected. An incident reflecting so badly on the man, he could not look in the mirror for days, unable to forgive himself. According to his children, upon 30 years of reflection, there's nothing left to forgive. Mm -hmm. Crazy.
0: So in Sam and Colby's episodes around this, they like walk through where the seance happened and where Caroline was flung. Uh Uh-huh. And it's like literally in a separate room. She's blown into another room. Yeah.
1: It's like a good 25 feet. So the library, you know, that's in the conjuring house? Yeah. That was actually the parents' bedroom before it oh. was a library. But they then, were I think they were in the dining room. Yeah, yeah. And then thrown she was thrown into that opening parlor. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Right? So I kinda wanna get into the parents' relationships with the Warren because, the Warrens because Tea. it's not good. No. Supposedly, um, if I heard this right, listen. I listen to a lot of things. So mm-hmm. Andrea had said that Carolyn took note of everything, and she sketched in a book, in a journal. Mm -hmm. Lorraine had it, and they haven't seen it since.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so shady. Yeah,
1: I don't know if it was on purpose. Because,
0: like, they came up with their own narrative about, like, what happened in the house. Yeah. So she didn't want the real story out there.
1: Yeah. So the patriarch of the family had a rocky relationship with the Warrens, but Carolyn found their presence comforting. Ed and Lorraine Warren came to the Perrin family house only six times a year for their investigation during their visit. Mm-hmm. Roger wasn't around most of the time. He was a trucker, I think. Oh. He was gone for a huge chunk of time. Yeah. Um, during an interview with Global News, Andrea mentioned that the Warrens must have felt Roger's dislike towards them. But her mother grew to trust Ed and Lorraine as she believed that they were actually helping them wholeheartedly. Their relationship with Ed and Lorraine ended after the seance when Roger threw them out of the house. The Warrens only returned once to check on Carolyn after the incident, and the ties between them ended in
0: 1971. I don't feel bad about that.
1: Nope. Eventually, Lorraine had asked Carolyn for the rights to use their story, but Carolyn would go on to tell her no. Because Ed and Lorraine did their own case movie things, but yeah. Given, oh, this is also from the interview from FreeSat. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, given Lorraine's, Lorraine Warren's extensive experience as a medium, why do you think she was so convinced that Bathsheba Sherman was the entity behind the haunting? Do you believe that this was a mistake on her part or that it left her ill-prepared for the seance that nearly cost your mother your life? Yes. Yes, I left her ill pre- Yes, it left her ill-prepared for the seance. When I saw her a couple months before The Conjuring opened, she and I were invited for a private screening at the Warner Brothers studio. She told me during that weekend that we spent together... That she and ed were in over their heads the moment they crossed the threshold and they just didn't know it of course in her case files who would expect that it would be documented that she and ed made a couple of tragic errors in judgment the sounds that they had initiated in our house almost cost my mother her life to see it treated that way the way that it was in the conjuring was a bit of a shock to me first of all Ed was the only layman on the planet that had assisted with exorcists from the Vatican and was trained to assist in an exorcism. His devotion to the church and his respect for the exorcists would have precluded him from ever ever initiating an exorcism on his own. So The Conjuring was literally conjured in the minds of two very creative screenwriters, Chad and Carrie Hayes, who know how to write. They really struck a chord with people. I think in the grand scheme of things, The Conjuring did get it right. In the moral a- arc, it did cover all the bases because it leaves people with the impression that the good conquers evil, love conquers fear, and the parent family experience an extreme haunting that they all survived. All of those things are true. The film also has a number of cosmic kisses in it, things like the writers could not have known, a- known about that ended up in the movie including the dog dying practically as soon as he moved into the house. Mm-hmm. It didn't even mention that her dog Schultz had been killed in a very tragic accident within 10 days of moving the farm. Wow. And by it, I mean her book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because the writers did read her book, or all, oh, all okay. three of her books, or however many were out at the time. Um, there were so many people involved in the making of this movie, and we were all connected in consciousness. There, oh, I already said that. The prime example is a scene where the camera rounds the bedroom to what is supposed to be my bedroom, and there's a folk art picture of a white cat on the mantelboard. I have that very picture sitting right here in my office. It was mm. given to me by my mother's friend when we lived at the farm in 1972. I don't like it. I didn't know what, the, what made the set designer gravitate to this exact image and place it on the mantelboard board in my bedroom. All of the wallpaper patterns they could have chosen... They chose the one that was inside the farmhouse that we repapered the walls with. That's weird. They couldn't have known because they never saw any inside photographs of the house. I didn't know. It's universal. It's cosmic. It's spiritual. It's beautiful and horrible. It's everything all wrapped into one thing. The movie got, um, yeah. And Andrea goes on to say, like, she loved that house. The whole family loved that house. It's good and bad. It's not as evil is like the warrens portray-, yeah. portray it um also i wanted to mention the Ann doll annabelle yeah i have no idea why she's in the movie
0: it's not connected to the house at all
1: and that always confused me I'm that's like,
0: a completely different story
1: i was always so confused as to why annabelle was there but they just threw it in for writing purposes i guess um and lastly i just wanted to talk about sam and colby's conjuring experience oh yes andrea had actually said in an interview um she fully believes cody and satori oh yeah which is very hot tea right now
0: also really quick before we get into to them which Uh i'm excited to talk about um with the seance you mentioned that the medium slash spiritual woman who Opened a portal that she could not close. Uh-huh. A lot of people believe that's why the house is so active now. And that's why there's so many spirits there besides the ones who were connected to the house in the land to begin with. Yeah. It kind of just became like almost like a spiritual vortex, like vortex a vortex magnet. There, yeah. And like spirits are just allowed to exist there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, from my impression, there's a lot of spirits there, good and bad and just, you know, regular people. Just vibing. And, like, I think it was a few negative spirits that were tormenting the Perrin yeah, family. I don't think it was Bathsheba. No. I don't think it was just one spirit that was connected and, like, torturing them. It was probably several.
1: Yeah. Um, but
0: it's raining. <laughs> I was like... That was scary. I was so
1: terrified for my life, I didn't want to turn around.
0: The way you looked at me, like, like, are you seeing this? I was like, oh. Anyway. Yeah. But you should definitely watch Sam and Colby's Conjuring series that came out this year. Uh-huh. And we'll get into why right now.
1: Yes, because that's all I have left on this topic. I have milked it to its extreme. I'm excited about it. I don't have any notes written, so we're just going to go off a straight memory. Okay. So, I did want to explain cody and satori's method yes so because it's a very big part of their series
0: yes they work at the conjuring house the conjuring house like runs tours and things and they help this couple they help run tours Uh uh-huh and they also are spiritual investigators like um and they have come up with their own
1: ghost hunting method yeah i've never seen anything like it So, what happens is Cody and Satori hold wrists or hands or, like, Mm -hmm. skin to skin. um, And you'll hear knocking, like.
0: Yeah. So, when they first show it uh in the, you know, in the episode, they, like, connect arms and they're like, okay, anyone who's in the house, can you please come into the living area where we are? You can hear all the footsteps coming from everywhere in the house coming into the room Mm -hmm. and you see sam and colby look at each other like you hearing this bro what (laughs) and like looking at everyone's feet being like are you stomping like what is going on Mm -hmm. and then they start like asking questions to be like okay like who is with us Uh uh-huh we're gonna start going through the alphabet and when we land on the first letter of of your first first name or name yeah you like knock once for yes and so like they go through and the first person that came forward in the episode was abigail arnold mm-hmm. and she was the kind spirit that we mentioned earlier that would kiss the girls good night uh-huh and like she would sweep and things that was abigail arnold yeah from the old arnold estate uh-huh but they like asked some questions be like you know, what do you see? Like, where are you? Like, things like that. Mm-hmm. And also, so one of the things that Abigail said was that there were more people in the house than usual. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, you know, Sam and Colby are here. And it turns out some of, like, their family members who had passed on mm-hmm. had come to the house with them.
1: And so they're all sobbing. They're like, yes. my family. And it's
0: the sort of thing that colby and satori would not colby
1: no and i get confused Cody all the time
0: and satori would not know like uh sam's grandma's name her nickname yeah like her nickname and then some of colby's family members where they spell their names super weird like uh-huh. no one would guess that so crazy and all they were saying was like we're watching over you we love you things like, like that we're we're happy we're safe mm-hmm. crazy like to, go watch it it's like unlike anything i've ever seen
1: but to kind of play devil's advocate here yes sam and colby on their react channel came out with a new video they did yes because there's been so much speculation about cody and satori
0: i've seen that i've seen like speculation
1: yeah so they actually addressed it mm-hmm. so one thing is that uh cody and satori claimed that it only happens when they do it together yeah cody's seen in a video doing it by himself
0: oh okay yeah so they're like that's
1: sus. and then people think it could be like um joint popping like toe popping i saw that
0: that's ridiculous to me
1: that's the way that the fox sisters did it in like the 1800s early 1900s do you know who they are
0: i think i've heard of them
1: that's a whole another episode but basically they claim to talk to spirits and it's same thing, knocking on the walls, mm-hmm. but they were found to be frauds, like yeah. physically frauds. Yeah. So, I don't know. You have to go watch them explain, because I'm kind of on the fence now, because they asked Cody and Satori, like, hey, can we do more experience to re- experiments to rule these out? And they were like, No.
0: That's interesting.
1: So, I'm kind of sus, but, like, they also say, you don't, you're not in the room with us. We can kind of feel it around the room, but there's also the theory of, like, suggestion because Satori points to where the sounds are coming from. That's true. So, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of just, like, you have to be there to experience it.
0: The one thing that gets me is that, like, Sam and Colby said they felt the vibrations in the floor. Uh-huh. And they, like, looked and they couldn't see any people's feet moving in the room. And also, if it was something like joint popping, you wouldn't be able to feel the vibration of that in the floor. Maybe Moving it, around. Maybe if, like, you were holding their hand, you could feel that.
1: Yeah. I don't know, though. But also...
0: I understand trying to debunk it. They're I trying, really, really they're do. They're
1: trying really hard because they're also, like, we discovered that actually all the information about us can't be Googled. Like yeah you'll have to watch the react video but it's crazy they got good evidence though from the conjuring house because they stayed at it for a week yeah i'm trying to remember all the evidence the and also i don't know i don't know either I think one of their other videos, when Amanda was with them, when they caught the thermal image, was spooky.
0: That was really scary. They
1: caught a thermal image of, like, a little boy in the corner. Like,
0: peeking around a door. It was in
1: the, it was in the mirror, not the mirror, the window, in the bedroom. The one that was, that used to be the exterior window.
0: I think, yeah, I think you're right.
1: Yeah. Anyways, I just wanted an excuse to talk about them, but that's the Conjuring house
0: yeah let us know if you end up watching any of the, the videos and you know letting us know what you think about cody and satori uh-huh for me like i can't wrap my head around a f- feasible way to debunk it i'm Does on that the f- make sense yeah
1: i'm on the fence just because i also know that satori's dad is from ghost hunters taps yeah so i I'm do like, i did know that it's sus but it's kind of cool if it is true I don't know, though. Mm -hmm. I kind of just have to be there to know for myself. That's kind of how I feel.
0: And also, uh, supposedly, allegedly, there was a family member there from one of their producers. He's not
1: Googleable. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. I didn't watch the whole video, to be honest with you. But. I don't know. Yeah. It's like you kind of have to know that he's going to be there.
0: For me, I can't totally debunk it
1: yeah because they also went to the park and they knew random information about someone who died at that park that they didn't know they were going to exactly yeah
0: i don't know
1: yeah so go watch it tell us what you think it's it's frustrating to me when people are overly overly wanting to debunk it yeah
0: yeah that's frustrating to me that's something i like don't like in general though yeah like stop
1: just be neutral on it if you you don't believe it you don't believe it whatever but
0: yeah there's no there's no reason to be nasty about it yeah it's
1: my thing yes
0: anyway thank you all so much for joining us for this special episode thank you emily for putting this together
1: yeah i had fun i had
0: a good time um remember to rate comment review subscribe wherever you're listening helps Mm -hmm. us a lot Um, Follow us on Instagram at Chronic Pain and Paranoia. Remember to plug in your heating pads and take your meds. And
1: also stay spooky.
0: Stay spooky. Goodbye. Goodbye.